Welcome to A Cup and a Conversation. I'm Grant Onks, Community and Economic Development Director for the City of Brunswick. And today I have Steve Fritsch, Vice President of Industry Advancement and Engagement with Team NEO. They, Team NEO focuses on economic development in Northeast Ohio. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, Grant. Well, we're glad to have you here. And uh, obviously, it, Team NEO has a vast history of different things. And a lot of people don't really understand what Team NEO does. So I'm hoping we can, we can get into that and learn about, learn about Steve and how you got into this position and, and how Team NEO is growing and helping growing the economy for Northeast Ohio. So why don't we start out with a, a simple question. What do people not know about Team Neo? What is it and what do they not know? Yeah, I, so I think a lot of people generally don't understand the work of economic development. I know my parents are certainly included <laughs> in that. Um, but I think a lot of folks don't know what Team Neo is doing with a number of partners to really transform the competitiveness of the region. I think a lot of folks understand the transactional side of what we do based on the headlines that they read about growing companies and the way that organizations like the City of Brunswick or Team Neo or Jobs Ohio help companies through financial tools, for example. But I don't think they know what we're doing kind of behind the scenes in industry and innovation and talent and site transformation and, and regional promotion for that matter. And I would agree with that statement. Most people don't understand what economic development is. They don't understand the, the tentacles that are out there touching so many different industries and, and trying to engage them to be in a certain region for certain reasons, quite right. frankly. So, so what are some of the, the key things that Team NEO focuses on? Yeah. So. I'll take a step back and talk about our vision for Please. the region. Um, Team Neo, we have a vision for a vibrant economy, one that is talented, equitable, innovative, and resilient, that creates a more competitive environment for our companies and a more prosperous environment for the folks that call Northeast Ohio home. So every day, we're accelerating the pace and equity of business growth uh, through industry strategy, talent strategy, sites, and engagement and promotion. Uh, the industry strategy is very much about identifying companies that are growing, but also identifying companies that have the capacity to grow, have the capacity to innovate, but just need a little bit of help to do so. So we're focusing on traded sectors with a, with a special emphasis right now on electric vehicles and, and mechatronics or semiconductor supply chain companies. Why those industries? Well, mainly because there's so much global investment happening there right now. Okay. You could take a look at the Chips Act. You could take at the uh, take a look at the Inflation Reduction Act. You can just take a look at how companies are asking uh, their their foreign-owned companies to increase U.S. capacity so that they have more resilient supply chains. That's where we're really focusing in the industry section. Uh, as we think about talent. Uh, Team Neo for years has done a lot of work at helping our region understand the gap that exists between what we're putting in the, the talent inventory and the talent supply uh, through higher education, for example, vocational education, schools, uh, versus what companies are saying they need, what the talent demand looks like. So through data analysis, we're informing what that talent supply demand looks like and convening uh, sector partnerships, higher education, and others to help figure out what kind of programming can address that supply-demand gap. So you're, you're trying to, in a way, bridge that communication where 
schools want to teach, and I'm thinking more of higher education and, and um, two-year colleges as well, they want to teach a certain curriculum. The, the workforce out there needs a certain education so that they can go get a job. And get a job in Northeast in Ohio. In Northeast Ohio. Right. Right. And so sometimes there's been a gap between what companies or employers are looking for and not necessarily always understanding, well, why are you learning X, Y, and Z at this school when it doesn't do you any good here? But if you learned ABC, if you learn that in school, and you can come get a job with me right away, I'll still enhance your training and teach you other skills here at the business. So one of that key factors that on talent you're talking about, Steve, is making sure that educational institutions of any kind, and that doesn't just mean colleges, that could mean career centers and, and other training institutes, understand what that marketplace needs. Is that, is that right? It is. I, I want to be careful to say we are not, nor should anyone invalidate somebody's interest to go into a field like art history right. or, no, or literature or something like that. What we are doing is raising awareness among those entities that are populating the talent pipeline with what companies in Northeast Ohio indicate that they need under the notion that we all have a shared interest of these companies being successful and we all have a shared interest in the talent that we have staying here. So one of the things that we do is we try to identify partners like Junior Achievement or College Now to help inform young people about how their passions can connect to those sure. careers that are in demand. How you can translate things like interest in video games to software development, interest in Legos to engineering. Uh, and, and really try to get talent thinking about how to connect their passions with what the region's companies need. Very good. So, so Team Neo uh, also focuses on certain industries. You've got key industries that you're kind of targeting in on. We do. Yeah. yeah. We, we, generally speaking, we focus on traded sector industries. And we think about traded sectors as those industries or companies where at least half their revenue comes from outside of the state of Ohio, wealth generating, bringing new money into the state, into the region. So that could be manufacturing, IT, uh, specialty chemicals, food processing, uh, certainly healthcare and medical devices, in some cases logistics and distribution, uh, energy. Um, there are a number of traded sectors uh, that we focus on uh, to enhance business growth here. So you mentioned earlier in... Um in describing different marketplaces and, and now some key industries. But you had also, you'd also mentioned EVs and how uh, energy systems and batteries, and that's a big growing market. It's huge. And, and while there's a lot of debate out there as to, as to the time frame it's going to take to build these infrastructure mechanisms and other areas, um, there is a movement clearly to move there, I, you know, I'm quite convinced we're going to need more power plants of some kind. Absolutely. Because we are struggling as it is in many capacities now. What is it that that EV market, when they come to Northeast Ohio, 
or the supplier, the component suppliers to those marketplaces, what are you telling them? What, what, are, they, what are they asking and what are you telling them? Yeah, so we're, we're telling them about what the existing supply chain looks like and how that is an advantage for them. Uh, we're certainly telling them about the cost advantages associated with operating in Northeast Ohio compared to other states um, because EV is a very, well, it's still in its infant stage. It so is. We're telling them about the R&D and innovation that's happening at places like Case Western Reserve University, Kent State University, Bright Energy Innovators in Warren, uh, and throughout Ohio, um, so that they understand that there's going to be this ecosystem supporting them. We're telling them about um, the existing talent that we have in that automotive manufacturing space. And, and lastly, we're telling them about a number of attractive sites that we have here that can be ready to go for them. And so what are some of those businesses that are in the EV space? What, what do they do? Pe- people hear about EV. What, what does that mean? So sure, um, one of the obvious ones that everybody seems to know about is something like Foxconn, uh, which... which um, assembles uh, vehicles in the electric vehicle space. And and a lot of folks know about Altium, which was a joint venture between LG and GM to create batteries. I think a lot of folks don't realize that there are companies like Eaton and Lubrizol and Avian in our region that all play in that EV space. Goodyear plays in the EV space. How? People say, how? How does Goodyear play in the EV space? They make tires. Well, they have to look at how to extend the range of an electric vehicle through, through the technology and materials that go into a tire. So there are all these companies in this ecosystem that play in the EV space. Some you've heard of, but many that you haven't. And, and it gets complex in the auto market uh, or transportation in general because uh, once you start talking about batteries, you have to also enter into the NVH, the the noise, vibration, harshness, and the and the the, the heat systems within those vehicles. Um, obviously, we've because it's such a new marketplace, and we've seen things out there in the market of of this vehicle faltering or that vehicle having a problem. Um, it makes news. It makes news. But what I'm hearing you tell me, Steve, is that this is for real, and this is moving forward. It, it really is, and we're trying to get out in front of it, and as you alluded to earlier, there are so many moving parts with this. You have the OEMs indicating what their portfolio production is intended to be by 2030, and you put that against Which what, is less than seven years. Right, and you put that against what um, the, the EV charging infrastructure throughout the entire United States looks like, in some cases maybe not being ready. <laughs> Right for that portfolio, uh, that's a that's an example. Um, take a look at the actual battery itself. This is a very very large piece of material and chemicals. Right. Um, what are we going to do with those once they have their useful life? Can we recycle them? We have to look into what we can do uh, as this as this is all evolving. We feel like we're pretty well positioned. Uh, based on the R&D again and the innovation infrastructure that we have. And, and we've got some great companies working in that, working in that area. Yep. But you also talked about food. F- food I is, like food. food. We all like food. Yes. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and speaking of that, what, what is your favorite food? I love gyros. Really? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now did that come from your days at Kent State? <laughs> 
<laughs> it very likely did. There was a place in Kent State called Europe Gyro that I may or may not have frequented uh, <laughs> okay. in the evenings. Uh, when you were studying for your, I was, for your, all your When tests. I got done studying and I was you know, uh, uh, decompressing. Very good. I'll call it that. Very good. But food is a major industry in it Northeast really Ohio. And, and how many counties does Team Neo interact with? So we have a footprint that has 18 counties within it. Uh, and it's really, it's four MSAs, metropolitan statistical areas. So you think about Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Youngstown, Sandusky, Mansfield are, are kind of the, the, the more urban areas. But we also touch a wide area of rural Northeast Ohio as well. Okay, interesting. And and so, what are some of the food things that that are taking place out there? And and we're not talking about going to the local bakery for the for donuts. I mean, because we, for example, we've got Donut Land here. Have you ever been to Donut Land? I have here? not. It, it's it's world renowned. I would in have my assumed there would be a box of donuts here waiting for me. Well, I wasn't sure that you would have dived in. I mean, we can do that afterwards. <laughs> so. Um, uh, Tell, tell me about different food markets within Northeast Ohio. Yeah, so I'll start with dairy. Um, okay. I think very few folks know how much cheese is actually produced in Northeast Ohio, how much sour cream is actually produced in Northeast Ohio. Uh, we had a competitive project a number of years ago in Wayne County, and one of the things that we actually put together for the company as our competitive advantage was this market's proximity to the number of dairy cows that are available. Uh, that, that ultimately ended up being a company called Daisy Brands, which makes sour cream in Wayne County. Interesting. Uh, Great Lakes Cheese up in Geauga County, they make a significant amount of cheese, uh, I believe Swiss cheese, uh, for the American market. Uh, in Stark County, we have a pretty significant chips manufacturing, uh, I believe with, with shears, is down there. And then, of course, everybody seems to have heard of, of Nestle, uh, as well as Smuckers uh, in sure. Orville, which not only does the, the food processing and packaging, but also does significant R&D in, in food as well, if you can believe right. it. There's R&D in food. And a lot of people don't understand the food market and the food industry. When, you're, when you go to the store and you're buying a box of, of something that you're going to mix together, somebody had to come up with that. And a lot of these companies... The folks in those in those businesses are chemical engineers. Yep. They're engineers figuring out how to make this process easy for somebody to do at home so that it's quick, easy, and affordable. Yep. And and that that goes throughout the thought process of the food industry I have found. Yeah, and go beyond the chemical engineering to just the mechanical engineering. The food food processing and production is an extremely clean environment. So you have to have these machines that are extremely precise, yes. that are extremely clean, that are extremely well-maintained, and the mechanical engineering that goes into those processes of production are also very intense. Right. We, uh, we actually have a, uh, a fantastic company here in Brunswick called Yoast Foods. Okay. And Yoast is um, a very specialized company with their, with their spices and mixes and have grown organically from... From uh, the owner's home yep. to building to buying more land and adding on, so uh, we're we're excited about them. You have a pretty significant one down the road in Sandridge. We do. Yep. We do. Yes. And uh, again, locally owned, operated. It seems to do well in in the Medina County area. 
Um, so, so jumping around for a minute here. Um, so we talked just briefly, touched very briefly on, on you attending Kent State. Um, where did you grow up, Steve? I grew up in Kent, Ohio. Oh, you did? So like most kids that grew up in Kent, Ohio, both of my parents worked at Kent State University. So I had the opportunity to go to Kent State with, with no tuition. Which oh, that's was, nice. Um, very, uh, very, very fortunate to have that. My, both of my parents retired from Kent State with each having more than 35 years of service. So. Wow. Wow. Great. And what did you study at Kent? I, truth be told, I bounced around a little bit. It wasn't really clear to me what I ultimately wanted to do, even when I graduated. Um, so I ultimately graduated with a, a Bachelor of Arts and Sciences in what they called a general studies curriculum, okay. which really was kind of a, you, you got to choose a very distributed uh, class uh, schedule for right. that. Right. It's like a liberal arts It really is. Area. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's kind of a touch of all things, um, but it, it gave me the opportunity to get gra- to graduate and, and get out into to real life. And, and so uh, when you did that, when you were doing that, what do you think some of your favorite subjects in school were? Um, that's a great question. I loved the history uh, courses. I had an amazing uh, professor, Jameson, at Kent State University that taught a, uh, it was like a World War II to present history. That He was an amazing instructor that I just really enjoyed. Uh, I had an amazing political science teacher, uh, Dr. Hensley, who was, uh, again, just absolutely amazing. Um, I had I had amazing uh, TA, a grad assistant for financial accounting. That just I just he made it interesting to me, and it, it came really? to be interesting to me. Um, well, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go down that path a little bit more with with the finance area because finance can get pretty interesting with uh, forensic. Yeah, so I took both financial accounting and um, management courses kind of later in my kind of college uh, life. Um, I wanted to graduate. Had I taken them earlier, my path may have ultimately gone through there. I ended up with a minor in management taking those courses. So you graduate from Kent State, and um, you've eaten enough uh, gyros uh, to to satisfy it for that period of time. And and you end up out in the workforce, and, and what's the first job? Yeah, so the first job I had, uh, there was this new thing called the Internet. Uh, and so I, I got a job with a company that specialized in helping nonprofits uh, issue advocacy organizations understand how to use this new thing called the Internet to, to fundraise, to communicate, to mobilize a message. Um, and I did that for probably about uh, five or six years, um, ultimately leading on up to kind of a production management role. Um, and, and then I just thought it was time for a change, uh, as, as many folks do at that time in their lives. Okay. And then at some point in time, uh, you, uh, you ended up meeting a wonderful woman. Oh, that, that happened actually in college. Oh, it did? I was very fortunate. It was my last year of college. Uh, I took a, a course at Kent State called Dynamics of Leadership uh, and, and met this uh, amazing person at the time named Gretchen Dambaugh. Uh, who uh, who has just been a, an amazing part of my life. Uh, and she's really been a partner. She has been a partner. She has been a lifesaver. Um, and she's been a dream maker. And uh, I'm just so fortunate to have her in my life. 
That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And 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 you you both also have uh, a couple wonderful children, don't you? We do, but uh, they're not children they're any adults, much longer. But they're always going to yeah. be your children. They they will be our children on paper, but they are now uh, adults. Well, my youngest turns eighteen tomorrow. Uh, and she is going to be heading off to Bowling Green University in the fall. And then Very my good. oldest is uh, 21 in her third year uh, at Baldwin Wallace, currently considering graduate school and uh, to get a Ph.D. in audiology. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it sounds, sounds like uh, uh, mom and dad have done okay so far. Uh, we make it up as we go. There you go. So, Steve, if you had $10 million, if somebody gave you $10 million in your, for personal use... For personal, for personal use. use, what would you spend it on? Oh my goodness! Um, so, and and this is totally true. I'm a vi- I'm a very mission oriented person. So I would try to invest in things that can make an impact um, in someone's life. Um, I would also try to invest in things that feel like they could have a very high return if I'm looking at it from a from a real kind of uh, capital creation standpoint what would I invest in Um, I think something in the sustainable energy power generation space uh, is is going to be something that's just very attractive to companies to communities Um, climate change appears to be very real take politics out of it look at the data um, companies are beginning to think differently about how they do that, and I think there's going to be a tremendous investment in it. Um, the United States government thinks the same. The, the amount of federal funding going into uh, sustainability-related R&D is, is massive. Okay, okay. So, jump. and I told you we were ju- going to jump around a, a little bit. So the companies that you're seeing out there, when, when you, you travel for, for your work, and, and I know that you've been to a, a few uh, fascinating places have, as of re- recent, yes. um, you were over in the Asian, Asian Pacific Rim yes. world, and uh, you were able to meet with a lot of different firms over there. Um, what do you say to them? You, you're, you're going in, and maybe you've never met them before. You haven't had direct contact before. But here you are, vice president of Team Neo, representing 18 counties. What do you say to them that they're looking, because the economy is a worldwide economy. Yeah. And, and for those folks that, that don't necessarily understand that all the time, it, 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 doesn't, it shouldn't come as a surprise that in some fashion, something's being touched by somebody all over the world. Sure. So when you go speak to these companies that you want them to invest their dollars in Northeast Ohio, what do you say to them? Well, we do a lot of preparation to understand what's important to them uh, in advance, right? Generally speaking, our experience is that many companies, under, they want to understand things, that, how do you mitigate risk with investment? They want to understand those things that manage risk. And to them, risk is time. Uh, it's speed, it's people, um, it's supply chain, uh, and it's competitiveness. So we like to tell them different things that hit on each of those. What's our cost? What are we putting into the talent pipeline each year? What sites do we have ready to go right now? Uh, What ecosystem and university partnerships can we set up for them immediately? And that we have what we feel like 
is a very uh, competitive place for them to have a soft landing in North America. Are, are, and are you focusing, is Team NEO focusing primarily more on technically driven companies? Not necessarily tech companies, but technically driven companies. Um, so yes and no. Um, it's interesting if you look at the data where we are most competitive in which subsectors. Some of them uh, are kind of the, the uh, for lack of a better term, uh, more exciting or sexier companies that are very technology forward. Um, but also some of them are those that, that make just a critical widget that is in the supply chain of, of a product. Um, I can tell you we are very focused on companies that pay a very strong livable wage. Um, we are very interested in companies that want to be about a, a part of the culture and the vibe here. Uh, but as we're prospecting, we're learning what's most important to them and trying to make sure we're telling them that story. That's great. And, and when, when they are... When, you're going to have to hold a minute, Chris. God bless you. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's springtime in Northeast Ohio. Okay, so when a company is is said, you know, we're, we're fairly interested in Northeast Ohio. In fact, we have a strong interest. What do you do to, to kind of reel them in? Let's say they've, they're like, well, where do we put our plant? Where do we put our factory? And, and are you seeing where people all, they all want a thousand acres, which is hard to come by, or are they good with five acres? Yeah. So um, it really starts with requirements. What do they absolutely need? What's okay. important to them? And what is driving their decision? Uh, we also try to understand uh, what geography we are competing with as well so that in the background we can do some studying on where we have advantages or have disadvantages. Um, generally speaking, the number of projects that we take in that require a thousand acres or really even more than 200 acres is, is pretty small. Um, and we're fortunate for that because the number of sites that we currently have available uh, to meet that need is, is pretty small throughout the 18 counties. Now we do have an effort to marshal resources to identify those sites and assemble them so that we do have them because there are projects out there that we are not able to compete with because of our lack of site inventory. Um, but we try to understand um, how large of a site do you need? How, how much water do you need? How much power do you need? How close to rail or highway or airport do you need? Um, what kinds of occupations do you need? Um, a lot of times people will say, I wanna be in Cleveland or I wanna be in Akron. And we'll say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you wanna be in downtown Akron or you want to be within a 20-minute drive time of that downtown. What does that mean to you? Uh, one of the things interesting that we've learned is that so many companies do their homework before they come talk to us. Sure. Uh, and they look at the same sets of data that we have available in many cases. And these data are, are typically uh, produced by metro area. And I mentioned earlier, we have four metro areas here. So one of the things that Team NEO can do is kind of blend that data so that it provides a regional view, not a boundary view that might um, show us in, in a less of a light than we would want to be showed. 
So, so that way you're representing all 18 counties Absolutely. as opposed to just one or the other. Absolutely. And then when we take in that opportunity based on those requirements, we share that with a very broad network of, of partners that we have, you being one of them. I like to call them the Coalition of the Willing that are helping us, helping us to do this work, to attract these companies, sure. but also to transform the region, uh, right? So we rely on these partners to help identify the sites, identify the assets, develop the story that we need to tell um, because it's, it ultimately becomes a very complex process. And, and a lot of people uh, also aren't necessarily clear on how Team Neo came about. I mean, when, <laughs> and there were a lot of different iterations at times, but, but let's start with Columbus. So there's this organization called Jobs Ohio. Jobs Ohio is kind of the parent of private-public partnership to help grow the economy in Ohio. Is that is that a fair statement? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And um, they have a lot of talented people out and about working on things to support Team Neo that then supports the counties we're in, then supports the cities. So there are tiers, if you will, that go through the process so that people hopefully are communicating to get this message out there. Right. We have a lot of passion around portraying ourselves as one state, one team, uh, and having state, region, local connectivity be uh, very strong. So we have a dedicated effort at Team Neo around network engagement. Uh, my colleague, Renee Lagon, really helps drive that work, this kind of work, reaching out with partners, understanding assets. Um, we could take a step back and talk about the origin story of Team Neo Please. back in yeah. 2003. This is our 20th year, uh, which we're going to be celebrating at Neo Rising on May 9th. Uh, we hope you can make it. Um, but Team Neo was actually the kind of the byproduct of a study that was commissioned by the larger chambers of commerce in the region at the time, recognizing that the region would benefit from having a regional entity address those opportunities in economic development that are regional in nature. Uh, and it, it recommended a number of different work streams at the time. Um, at the time, Team Neo was really resourced to focus on regional marketing and business attraction. So we were really a joint venture of these chambers of commerce and economic development organizations to be the global attraction arm for them. Uh, and we did that, I think, fairly well uh, um, through that 2003 to about 2011 or so when Governor Kasich was elected and the state of Ohio decided to create this private economic development corporation called Jobs Ohio. So the state more or less kind of outsourced, the state's agency, the Department of Development, outsourced this business investment division function to Jobs Ohio. Uh, Jobs Ohio created a, a, a model that focused on regional entities being their partners so that they could have coverage throughout the state. And Team NEO was tapped to be their regional entity, which really expanded our scope of work pretty dramatically from not only just doing regional marketing and business attraction, but to also establish an economic development strategy for the region, which includes an, an industry strategy around business retention and expansion. It evolved into a sites strategy. It has evolved into a mil military and federal installations strategy. Uh, we have talent strategies. Uh, and the organization Jobs Ohio has really evolved very, very nicely over the course of the last, well, gosh, they just had their tenure. Um, but as you uh, mentioned earlier, 
it places a premium on having strong state, region, local communication uh, so that there's, an ultimate, there's ultimately a very positive customer experience for those companies that are quite frankly easily confused by this mighty infrastructure of economic development that we put in front of them. And that's just not here. That's across the country. I mean, Very much That's so. why you have to explain what economic development is and how it helps these businesses or these organizations grow from maybe an incubator situation to, to the largest of large corporations. Sure. So you mentioned investment. Um, and one of the things that uh, that is interesting, we talk about investment a lot because investment within a community is not just the business, but it's how you're going to be interacting with that community. And that's a focus of what Team NEO does, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right now, really more than any time I've ever experienced at Team NEO, it's critical that we as a region can demonstrate to a company that we can attract and retain people. And um, that aspect of community development now uh, is more critical than it's ever been. Having the amenities, having the services, having those things that make people want to live there is perhaps the most critical part of the business investment equation. We have to demonstrate to a company that, and we'll use a hypothetical, the city of Brunswick in Medina County in Northeast Ohio, they're going to be able to attract people that want to work here, want to stay here, want to live here, because they're going to be making multi-million, in some case, billion-dollar investments here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Steve, if you were standing in line somewhere... And oh, the, waiting in a line is perhaps my least favorite part of this journey. Well, that's, that's fantastic, uh, because <laughs> this will lead right into, the, right into the question. Can I get a fast pass? No. <laughs> No, so um, you're standing in line, maybe at the DMV or you're at Panera or you're, you're somewhere trying to, uh, trying to get to that person who's either taking an order or you're, you're needing some direction from that person. And you're standing next to somebody and you're both kind of looking around, not talking, then all of a sudden you, get, you start talking to this person. What is it that you would hope that person would take away from that brief conversation they had with Steve Fritched? I would like them to know that there is a system that is working to make the place they call home not only more attractive for business investment, but better for the people that live there. So you'll have a you'll have a conversation with this person. They might say, "What do you do?" and you might say, "What do you do?" and and uh, so you start talking about economic development, and somebody looks at you and goes, "Yeah, you're just giving money away." What do you say to that? Oh, my goodness. Well, I would try to advise them on the many, many other pieces that go into economic development, placemaking, talent, people, workforce, power. There are so many other facets that go into making a place attractive. That's what economic development is. It's about making a place attractive so that a, so that a company wants to grow. And the other part of part of that is that it's not truly just about incentives. It is about that engagement with the community, because incentives do play a part, especially in a community like a Brunswick where we have primarily smaller privately held companies. But what I tell them is it's not an incentive; it's an investment, and those investments then translate into those folks, your neighbors, working at that company, being paid more, 
being given opportunity for additional education, being given room for opportunities to grow within that company or others next door. So I look at it as a, as a much broader scope as well as a, as a life cycle, if you will. Yeah. Where did you start? Where are you hoping to end up? What's that, what's that look like? Uh, you, you look at it, in my opinion, the right way. Um, any investment that a place makes in a company, hopefully they're doing it because they know the ROI that it's going to have on that place. And hopefully the horizon for that ROI is, is sooner uh, rather than later. Um, because if it's not, um, it's important for the community to reevaluate how they're thinking about the resources, in my humble opinion. Um, a company is not ever going to locate in a community because the incentives were high. Their own, the, the business case, the business value proposition has to be there. Um, an incentive might be the tipping of one community uh, in Ohio over a community in North Carolina, but not one client has come to us starting with incentives. They've, they've come to us starting with understanding if we can meet the, the, the operating requirements that they would have to be successfully operating here. That's an important facet that a lot of people don't understand. I yeah, I would agree. It doesn't come through in the headlines that uh, announce these investments. How do you get leads? How do you get leads of, of businesses wherever they are around the world that they may want to have an interest in. Sure. So in most cases, they come to us. But we like to think that that is kind of a byproduct of a global marketing that we uh, program that we have in place. Jobs Ohio has a very impressive global marketing campaign in place as well. To describe Ohio and all the assets and all the resources we have. Correct. And, and, and we do the same kind of thing for the Northeast Ohio region. Um, typically, it's industry-based. Um, in many cases, we found that the best use of our marketing dollar for lead generation is through, through digital campaigns. So we invest pretty heavily in that because you can be so targeted. Uh, with uh, the constituency that you're, you're looking to get your message to. So a lot of our attraction activity comes straight to us from the company or from Jobs Ohio through companies or site selection consultants. A lot of the expansion activity that we have comes through people like you, Grant, uh, the community economic development uh, professional that is out there doing the blocking and tackling in the trenches every day, talking with companies to understand what's mitigating their growth, or that there's a growth opportunity there and we need to mobilize to act quickly. Very good, very good. So when you're not doing economic development and, and working with people to enhance the quality of life in our, in our region, um, I'm guessing that you're out socializing in some fashion, um, perhaps having a slice of pizza. What is your favorite pizza? Oh, my favorite pizza? Um, I really love Altieri's in Stowe. Um, small family-owned place. Um, they have a lot of unique pizzas there, but I think the, the thing that perhaps I love most is when you go pick up the pizza, they give you a free slice of pizza. Oh, very nice. It's a nice perk. Goodness. Well, if you haven't ever had it, we have Ohio Pie here and Antonio's. We have a lot of pizza places. Here. Again, I wish there were some here for me to enjoy. Well, next time you come, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to do that. What about your favorite favorite drink? Are you a coffee drinker, a, a, a beverage holder? What, what is it that you... So uh, this is something that some people think is interesting about me. I love to try uh, eccentric soda pop. 
Really? Um, so I, I'm constantly looking to just, a lot of times you find them in, in, in candy shops and things of that nature, just these very unique soda pop blends that you you can't really find anywhere else. I obviously, I love Coca-Cola, uh, but but I've, I've had some, some pretty interesting, um, you know, just soda pop beverages, and I'm constantly liking to try new ones. I, I keep a collection of the bottles at home. Do you really? I do. That's a very interesting. Interesting. Because, you know, down in the uh, in Northeast Ohio, Akron area, there there were a lot of bottling companies at one point in the history of, of uh, soda pops sure. and things yeah. of that nature. So so uh, you also, I think, recreationally like to like to swing a golf club once in a while. Is that Who correct? Who told you that? Uh, it's, a, it's a nasty lie out there, Steve. We're just trying to stay up on it. I do. I do. I, uh, for me, I, I enjoy... Uh, so many aspects of golfing, um, but perhaps the thing I enjoy most is uh, learning about and studying the, the architecture of a golf course and what went into its design, what the architect was thinking. Uh, so I'm really now, that's kind of my be- beginning my bucket list as my kids are going off to college is starting to find those golf courses really around the world designed by some of my favorite architects to try to hopefully go, go play those sometime. Interesting. Interesting. So what's your favorite holiday? Oh, goodness. What a great question. Um, I really do. uh, I love Christmas. Um, I think I just may sound hokey, but I I like the idea of giving. Uh, um, And that's really just an opportunity to give to so many people that I love. And I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to do so. So very good. Very good. So what's the ultimate goal of Team Neo? What, what is it that Team Neo really wants to shoot for? Yeah, it, uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but it, it's, it's a more vibrant economy for Northeast Ohio um, where, where people are able to do the things that they dream about doing, where they have the opportunities uh, to do those things that they want to do. Um, for us to achieve that, I, I think we, we need to be more equitable in how we think about economic development. Um, I think we need to take a look at the opportunities that we're giving to those folks that maybe haven't had access to opportunities in the past, because all of that is going to contribute to just a a better place for our residents, and ultimately companies are going to benefit from that. Very good. So if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? Um, Well... For now, I will say I would do an autobiography because it's probably, I'm probably the thing I'm, I, I know best. I, I, I know a, a little bit about a lot of things, um, but maybe not enough to go deep in, enough into a book. So I could probably tell a pretty, again, this isn't intended to sound arrogant, but I have a pretty interesting life story to tell when I'm ready to tell it. Very good. All right. So what's the lesson you've learned from your job that you think everyone at some point in time should know? Um, so for me, I, I've learned a couple of things. Um, I've learned at time that I have learned that at times the best route between two things isn't always a straight line. Um, it, it, it tip, that might be the fastest route but it may not be the best route. Um, I've learned about 
what I think is most critical in leadership, my leadership style. Um, I, I surround myself with people that are smarter than me and then make sure that they have the, the tools to be successful. Um, and lastly, I force myself to stop and figure out what I've learned from an experience so that I can apply those learnings to the next time I face that situation. That's very thoughtful. <laughs> you, you clearly have, have given those things thoughts. Well, I, yeah, I, to me those are kind of pillars of, of, of how I want to be viewed by my colleagues. Very interesting. Very interesting. That shares a lot about you, Steve. I mean, it talks about when you talked earlier about your first job out of college and, and, the, and you got this new job with this new thing called the Internet and maybe working, helping charities raise money and things of that nature. And you've mentioned a few times now about the engagement and looking at uh, diversity and looking at ESG and looking at these things. I get the sense that, that you, you are a very caring human being and caring about society in general. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm told that one of my greatest strengths is that I'm naturally curious. Um, so you mentioned ESG, um, something I'm really curious about and understanding what's that, you and I have talked about it, what's that yeah. really going to look like uh, in five or ten years? Um, I'm, I'm really curious about what we can be doing um, to address systemic racism that exists uh, throughout society. Uh, I'm really curious about you know where my kids' lives are ultimately uh, going to go. Uh, so I just I like to think I'm kind of thoughtful about that. Um, make no mistake though, um, and I might be uh, an exception in this, but as I look back on my my experiences in life, I may have learned more observing those things that I don't want to emulate versus those things that I do want to emulate in other leaders, colleagues, and just professionals that I've come into contact with, where I just look at it and say, that's not how I want to be viewed or how I would approach things. And just make sure I, I, I approach life differently. That's very interesting. You know, I've, I've had other people on the podcast, and we've talked about what success looks like and how you measure it. But we've also, we've also kind of explored a little bit at times about how you learn, how somebody might learn. And, I, and I've always been a believer that it's okay to fail at something. Absolutely. And we don't teach enough failure response, which is what I call it, failure response. So, okay, so um, I happen to have children. You've got children. At some point in time, they're not going to do well in school in some area or as well as they think they should. I look at it and I tell my kids, that's okay. Did you learn something? Absolutely. I'd rather have, this is dating myself, Hawkeye MASH doctor than the doctor who's so brilliant who can't get out of their own way because I want somebody that not only can care for me but then can translate all that really technical information to me so that I understand, so I feel better about it. Absolutely. And I look at the businesses we have here in Brunswick or our school districts or our city or our community members. How does one learn without doing? 
How does one learn without falling down once in a while and getting up? We we fall down riding a bike. And by the way, more people should ride more bikes. But we fall down when we're kids. I look at them and go, okay, you got to scrape. Get up and get going. Brush it off. Get going. Yes. And, and I hear you talking about that, and I hear us talking about wanting to bring the businesses in. My area is, and people have said this to me, Steve, oh, this business is closing. What are you going to do to fill it? So, well, I look at it as an opportunity. Yep. Okay, so this didn't work out. That's okay. They gave it a shot. I see a whole lot of other folks not giving it a shot. Yep. So give it a shot. Build upon it. If it doesn't work out, what's that next avenue that you're going to do? Because, look, there are a lot of things out there in the world that it took a long time to develop. Yep. What's that next opportunity? What's that next learning? If you're that constant lifelong learner, you're going to be far better off than if you're going to sit in your chair and watch the world go by. Yeah, and yeah, to that point, taking it a step further, what are you going to do about it? So now you've learned, what are you willing to do? As in the example you gave, you know, the Acme Widget Company moved out. What are you going to do? Maybe the response to that is, well, here's what we are going to do, and I want you to be a part of this solution. Right. We have a lot of folks um, in in this space. We have a lot of stakeholders that talk about what's happening, but aren't willing to engage and be a part of helping us address. Um, the opportunities that are before us, and that to me uh, is is a huge is a huge opportunity. And some of that falls on us, maybe with how we message what we do. Economic development's difficult to understand, um, but the more leaders that we can get throughout the region, um, the more diverse leaders that we can get, bringing different ideas to us, bringing different types of engagement to us. I think the more the greater the likelihood that we can be successful in transforming the region. That's excellent. Well, on that, I will end. Steve, do you have anything else you'd like to add for our conversation today? Um, And I would say this even if we weren't doing a podcast. I really enjoy the times we have to talk, Grant. Um, You are an asset to your community, and you're an asset to the region's economic development system. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that very much, Steve, and I'll send you your money later. Thank you. Um, (laughs) This has been a cup and a conversation and a moment in time you've been able to spend with us. Thank you so much.